Linus Talks. For the dreamers, doers, and disruptors. We sing songs, we tell stories, we create change. Welcome to Linus. We start, I think, beautifully tonight, even with that song, which Pat, actually, Daniel said if Steph couldn't make it, he actually wanted me to sing that duet with you tonight. (laughs) But we start um, so beautifully with this idea that you... You've seen written, explore, evolve, and exhale. We start tonight by just sharing. You can be seated if you'd like. You can stand if you'd like. It doesn't. We start tonight with um, We start tonight with explore. It's It's Advent. God's coming. And the questions are changing. From where is God to where is man? And why are you hiding? And why are you searching outside? yourself for the key you lost inside yourself. In the very beginning, humanity, we hid from God behind the bushes. And craziest thing is God came into the garden wanting to have that walk with Adam and Eve. And it was actually Adam and Eve that were hiding behind the bushes. And in the beginning, the question was never, where is God? The question was, was God showing up in the garden to walk with Adam and Eve? And the question actually was not, where is God? The question was, where is man? Why are you hiding? See, God's always been like Jesus, and one of the most important things to discover about learning how to explore, to let out the sails of my heart to be free, right? What is that song even talking about? I was thinking about that tonight. It's, it's, it's all about finding the God who's already present, even when you're asking him to be present, he's already present, and becoming awake to the very presence of God, so present that he is alarmingly and terrifyingly to most of us more present to us than we could ever even be to ourselves. This is how present God is. Jesus is so terrifyingly present. Peter's up on that mountaintop and he'd rather make tabernacles where he can come and visit him. Because why? Because humanity's always distanced ourselves from God and then blame God for the distance. But it's Advent and God's coming. 
Jesus is coming and the questions are changing and how are they changing? They're changing from where is God to the reality of where are you, Jason? I've come to walk with you. Why are you hiding behind that bush in your shame? I want to break off the shame, but this is the reality. The reality is you want to stay in control, Jason. It's terrifying to follow Jesus. It's terrifying to follow God, to let out the sails of our heart. Jesus comes to teach us how to be explorers. And one of the first ways to learn how to be explorers is to learn how to have vision. And what does he show us? He shows us, see, if you can't see here, you'll never see there. If you can't see in this church, you'll never see in that church. You can't see in this city, you'll never see in that city. Learning how to see right where we are that he is here. One of the keys to exploration, to learn how to explore, is vision. The kind of vision that Abraham Heschel talked about when he said, to find daily eternity masquerading as time. Isn't that something? To find daily, to be, to be seers to such a degree that I can find eternity masquerading as time. To find eternity masquerading as time, right? To be explorers is to have vision, to see. And we live in a world of judgment. We live in a world that we have a hard time receiving what's being given. We live really in a judgmental culture and Jesus comes, right? Advent comes, comes and changes the question. What is, what is Jesus up to? He's, he's trying to transform us, right? From being a judgmental culture to being a sacramental culture. What does it mean to be a sacramental culture? To realize that what we receive, we're becoming. If we receive judgment, we will become judgment. If we receive mercy, we will begin to show mercy. If we receive pardon, we'll begin to show pardon. If we receive the broken bread and poured out wine, what happens? We become broken bread and poured out wine. You know why the Catholic Church and many churches, but specifically the Catholic Church, why they call marriage sacrament? Because it's two people coming together to make a public declaration that they will participate in the ongoing creation of the other. And how does that happen? The words you speak over the other create, not just in marriage, but in every community. What we receive, we become. What are we as creative people in our exploration, where does it begin? It begins with seeing in the here and now the gifts that are being given and receiving them as such, right? These are gifts being given by God. We receive.
Wendell Berry. He's written like some 68 books or something. There's a new documentary called Look and See on Netflix that I encourage you to, to watch, maybe even this weekend. But he helps us with this idea of exploration and discovery and seeing and vision and creativity. They show him in this documentary and he's, he's putting in a 48 pane window in his old house and sort of what some would even maybe say is flyover country of Kentucky. He was a scholar at Stanford, writer scholarship, and then ended up at University of Kentucky teaching writing and so on and so forth. And, and then he makes a decision that he's going to spend his life with his family farming land in Kentucky. He's going to put in a big window, 48 pane window, and he's not going to go all over the world looking for a place to see. He's just simply going to make that window and he's going to look out at that landscape and he's just going to see as far as he can. And he's got so many books that he's written, poetry, essays on agriculture, marriage, family. And this is what he says. I, I wrote it down. I extracted it from this. He says, in a sense, this guy's he's in his 90s now. He says, in a sense, what I've done all my life is hold up an artifact that you can, so to speak, see through against the world. You're looking over, you're not looking over city or this most beautiful place overlooking the ocean or anything like this, a sunset, no sunset in the video. You're just looking over farming fields and little streams and this is what he says. The length of vision from that place is a limitation in me, not in the place. You can see all the way to the stars from almost any place you are. That's what he says. To live in a place and have your vision confined by it would be a mistake, but to live in a place and to understand it as a standpoint from which to see and then to see from there as far as you can, that's a proper challenge. It's not just the landscape that you see. It's like Abraham Joshua Heschel says, he says, life can become routine and routine actually can become resistance to wonder. It's exploration starts with being able to see here because if I can't see here, I'll never see there. The limitation, right? The limitation, he says, it's not in the place, it's in me. You can see almost all the way to the stars from almost any place you are. That marriage, that family, right? The church, the culture you grew up in. The proper challenge is to say, Jesus, come, come and teach me how to really see. 
to really see as far as I can from this place right here, right now. From this place right here, right now. From this place right here, right now. And this is what he, he just keeps looking out. I want to see further. 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 Jesus, I want to learn how to see. This is interesting. Eugene Peterson writes this. He says, worship is actually the sanctification of time and space. That which we look at and live in and treat casually in ordinary life is concentrated into Christian worship so that we see its intimate and eternal meaning. Worship gives a heightened significance to the time and space of the ordinary world. That's what we're here for, to learn how to see. It's like I said earlier, Eugene Peterson said it so beautifully, you cannot even be a follower of Jesus without being creative. It just takes too much imagination. Jesus, I wanna see. Lord, move us from being a judgmental culture here on earth as it is in heaven. Move us into being a sacramental culture to receive what we receive, even as you receive, Jesus, the blessing from your Father. Before you ever fed the 5,000 or raised a dead person or walked on water, you heard your Father say, you are my beloved Son. On you, my favor rests. And as you received that, you became that. John is killed, Matthew 14, feeding of the 5,000. Jesus heard about John's death and he withdrew to a desert place. And they say 5,000 men, but, but most people say at least 40,000 men, women, and children followed Jesus to a deserted place. And Jesus sees all these people following him to a deserted place. And Jesus has compassion on them and he begins to see that they have sickness. He begins to heal their disease. He has compassion on them and he begins to teach them many things. And he heals them and teaches them with compassion in his heart, right? He, he, Jesus, goes on a boat and goes to a deserted place and he makes a desert place a promised land. We're running around looking for the promised land. We're running around looking for the place that I can see all the way to the stars. But the limitation of the place is not in the place, it's in me. We can see all the way to the stars from almost any place we are. And Jesus, after John's death, he goes to a desert place and turns it in to a promised land. People come out and they have so many questions. So many sicknesses and Jesus heals, heals them all with compassion. And then the disciples, they come to him and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, these people, it's getting late, Jesus. I love that, right? It's getting late, Jesus. And these people are hungry and they need to, you know, right? They need to go back to 
You know what I'm saying? They need to go back to where the food is, right? Because that's what the empire, even back with Pharaoh, that's what Pharaoh promised us, that the food, that would take care of us. You know, if we had enough food, we wouldn't be anxious anymore. But yet we find, ironically, that Pharaoh is having nightmares of scarcity, right? That having a little bit more will make us... But Jesus says to them... See, that's in their mindset because Jesus is leading them from this, this, this God of scarcity to this Father of abundance. And what he, he says, I'm going to go into this place and I'm going to see as far as I can from that place. And, and they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we got to send them back to where the food is. And Jesus says, don't send them away. Give them something to eat. And the disciples say to Jesus, well, Jesus, it's only the gospel of John tells us it's a little boy's lunch. All the rest of the gospels, they just say, Jesus, we don't have enough. What does Jesus say? Well, then why don't you bring to me what you say is not enough? And they bring to Jesus what everybody says is not enough. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't make it enough according to our standards of what's enough. Jesus receives what was given as is. This is what Jesus does. Why don't you bring to me what you say is not? This is, I just want to hit on this just for a second, guys. And then I'm going to close. But listen to this. This is the biggest insecurity of creative culture. We always want to add to what's been given, thinking that in adding, it will be enough, that if you add more, it will be better. And what do we say? What does judgment say? Because if we, if we just keep hearing, you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough, then what do you say? You're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. But Jesus heard the Father bless him and say, you're my beloved son. Before you do anything, you're already enough. So when you receive that, what happens? We become that kind of culture. And instead of trying to add and add and add and add and add and keep adding, we receive as it is. And Jesus takes what they say is not enough and he lifts it up to heaven and he says, thank you. That's a really important place that we'll get tonight, right? Thank you, Father, for what you've given. And then... He blesses it, and you know he blessed it the same way he was blessed by his Father. He blesses it, he breaks it, he distributes it. And there's no indication in all the scripture that all of a sudden a smorgasbord showed up. The indication is that the disciples just went and kept breaking and kept distributing as is. Thank you, bless it, break it, distribute. Thank you, bless it break it, distribute. And it was more than enough. God, we want to explore and we want to start learning how to be explorers and to sail and to truly be free. If 
by first learning to have vision and sight for where we are right now, right? You stand to your feet. I'm going to ask Johnny and Mel to come. Just one last, one last story for you. One last story for you. This is why, you know, almost daily, Rachel and I, because all these friends that are here are not only my friends and Rachel's friends, but we actually also turn these people on in our cars and listen and receive from one another, right? But I went and saw, I went and saw a blind priest named Father Larry Gillick. He's, he's just a priest who happens to be blind, but actually, honestly, he can see better than I can see. Because sometimes if you can't see things with your eyes, you gotta stop looking with your eyes and start looking with your heart. And he teaches me how to look with my heart. So I went in and I said, Father Gillick, I said, Father Gillick, what's the secret to being able to find eternity masquerading as time? What's the secret to vision, to seeing? What's the secret to exploration of the space that we're in to find the living God everywhere we are. So if we can see him here, we will see him there. What's the secret? Why, why as I've grown older, do I love where I'm at more and more? Why is it that I can find Jesus just about anywhere? Why, why is it that worship actually has become less about music and more about being present to this incredible presence that's so real and then the music just becomes an exuberant exaltation and expression of this incredible activity that actually is what changes the world and what is it so I asked him I didn't say all that because I was too terrified you know I said, why do I find Milwaukee beautiful? It rains, it snows, it's cold. It's... He said, well, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm, I'm blind and I grew up in Milwaukee and now I live in Nebraska. <laughs> and I love it. How do we become like a Wendell Berry where we just say, we're just gonna stay in the same place and see as far as we can from that place as long as we live and just say, God, I wanna see a little further. I couldn't think of any couple to lead us in worship that would help us with this better than Johnny and Mel tonight, and that's why I wanted to share this with you. Father Gillick kind of gazed out the window. He does this. He looks like he's looking at things. He said, Jason, it's really quite simple. When you learn to love who you are, You'll always love where you are. It's Advent. God's coming. 
the questions are changing from where is God to where is man? And why are you hiding? And why are you looking outside yourself for the key that you actually lost inside yourself? Lord, we pray for John and Mel as they lead us tonight. Help us discover the keys in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Linus Talks. For all things Linus, go to www.thelinusgathering.com. Cheers. Cheers.